Wow, today's a good day, amen? Just a good day. Um, let me tell you what we're going to be doing today because it is a little bit different, a whole lot different actually. Um, we're going to be having a guest speaker, but he's going to be on video. Just recently, and I know just like you, all of us are pondering, thinking about, hopefully praying about all that's going on in this country. There's a lot of turmoil. There's a lot of darkness that is taking place. And so the good news is this. When darkness abounds, when sin abounds, grace does much more abound. So thank God. There's a lot of sin abounding or flourishing or taking place, but that gives the church of Jesus Christ an opportunity to reach into that darkness by the grace of God and pull out of the darkness those who are needy and ready to accept Christ. There's some people out there scared to death in our city, scared to death of this virus. They're going through all kinds of financial difficulties. What better time to come to Christ than when somebody's facing difficulty. And it's a great opportunity for you and I to reach them at this time. He's a pastor. He's an author. Greg Lowry is going to be sharing with us and processing all of this about reaching the lost recently. I came across this video. It touched my heart. Really, it convicted me. And I began to think about those people that I should have witnessed to. I should have walked through a door or gently pushed the door open to share Christ with them. And many that I will never know, maybe until I get to heaven, whether they later had someone effectively share Christ or went to a church. Thank God for all the people that get saved at church. But wouldn't it be wonderful if next week we brought two or three hundred people we had personally won to Christ this week to bring them with you next week and walk into this building. Now that would be glorious. Well, so today he's going to be sharing on the subject of personal evangelism uh, next week. Um, I'm going to share with you the very last commandment of Christ. It goes right along with the Great Commission where he told us to uh, go into all the world. Most of the commandments in the Word are commandments of conduct. This is a commandment of action. And then he gives us the last commandment. It's tied to the Great Commission to go and tarry in Jerusalem and in be endued with power from on high. So next week we're talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit and also in Acts chapter 4. They were gathered together and the Bible says the place was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of you, you need to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. So next week, be praying this week that God would just pour out his spirit and that every person in this place would be filled with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. So that's next week. Now, maybe some of you can help me. Um, 
About three years ago, I did this, and this explains it so well. Had many people come and say, I, I, now I get it. So I need some of you to help us. You, um, well, let me put it this way. English is not your first language, all right? Your uh, um, language uh, of growing up was a different language, and you're fluent, still fluent in it. Uh, if you're in the building, we want you to do something. We need your help. If it's Russian or Mandarin from China or Farsi from Iran or wherever, all right, or uh, one of the languages of Africa, listen, um, text this, uh, no, to this number, just text the language that it is, and we'll get back in touch with you, all right? So text that number, the language, Farsi or whatever it is, all right? And uh, we'll get back with you. Just leave it up there a tad longer, guys, because we need some of you to help us. All right? Next weekend. All right. Thank you very much. We're going to get right into the message right now. God bless each and every one. Well, let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. And the title of my message is The Who, Where, Why, and What of Evangelism. It was around 1971, I was a brand new Christian. I'd just come to faith on my high school campus and I was attending Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa. And I heard that I am supposed to go out now and start sharing my faith. I, I, was, I wasn't a year old in my new beliefs. I wasn't six months old. I think I was probably a couple of weeks old. But I thought, I know enough to go out and tell others about Jesus. You know, sometimes ignorance is bliss, right? And so I went down to the beach. I think it was Huntington Beach, as I recall. I was armed with my Bible, of course, and a copy of the four spiritual laws that was put up by Campus Crusade for Christ. I was so new to all of this, I hadn't even memorized the contents of the little Bible track quite yet. And so I was looking for someone to talk to about Jesus, and I saw this lady about the age of my mom sitting on the beach by herself, and I thought, you know, maybe she'll listen to me. She'll be kind to me because I'm so young, you know? And I, I walked up. You have to understand, I had long hair. I had hair to start with. I had long hair at this point. And, and I walked up. My voice was shaking. I said, hi, do you, do you mind if I talk to you a little bit about Jesus? And she said, no, go ahead. And I said, okay. And I sat down and, and I just started reading the contents of this little track. Uh, the Four Spiritual Laws, copyright 1954, Campus Crusade. <laughs> And I just turned to page one. God loves you and there's a wonderful plan for your life. And I just started reading through this. And here's what I'm thinking as I'm reading. This is not going to work. Well, who do I think I am out here talking to someone about Jesus as if this woman would actually believe as a result of my foolish attempts to convince her about her need for Christ. And I, I was reading through this page by page thinking these thoughts of doubt as I'm saying these words and I would look up at her periodically and she was just looking at me and I thought, you know, this isn't really going well at all. I can hardly wait till I'm done. I got to the very end of the little track and there's a question that you are to ask or the person reading it would read the question and the question is, is there any good reason why you should not accept Jesus? So I read that. Is there any good reason why you should not accept Jesus right now? I looked up. She said, no, no. Okay, no. <laughs> are you saying you want to accept Jesus? She said, yes. Yes. I had planned for failure, not success. <laughs> and so in the most reverent tone I could muster, I said, 
Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer together, you know, and she closed her eyes, and I'm frantically searching this thing for a prayer. What do I do now? I found a little prayer at the end, and to show you how lacking in faith I was, as I was leading her in the prayer for her to accept Christ, I was thinking, this isn't going to work. But when we're done praying, and she said, amen, she said, something just changed inside of me. And I said, yeah, something just changed inside of me too. <laughs> I just realized that God could use someone like me. Now, here's my point. I think that we way overcomplicate this thing that we call evangelism. I'm not suggesting we go out there telling others about Christ without any understanding of what the Bible teaches because that's where we're gonna take a little bit of time to break it down for you, talk to you about effective tools of communication, talk to you about what our core message is. But having said all that, I think most Christians know more than enough to go out and start sharing their faith. We are just afraid to try. We're afraid to fail. Maybe we're afraid to succeed. I don't know. You know, sometimes when you're young, you don't know enough to not try something. And that's why kids will go out there and just be so daring. And, and maybe that's why kids know more about computers than we do. We're just, you know, we're intimidated by all these buttons. The kid just going, pop, 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 start pushing buttons, you know. I, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and he just got a brand new iPhone. And he pulled it out and he says, I just got an iPhone, and I know how to use it. He was so proud. I'm standing there with my uh, granddaughter Stella, who's almost three, well, she is three now, actually, but she was probably about two and a half at that point, and he's so proud that he can open up like his address book or something, and I said, watch this. I said, Stella, launch a video. She takes my two and a half, bop, 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 boom, cartoons playing on the thing. I've loaded <laughs> some cartoons on here for her, and, and he's, how did she do that? You know, kids aren't afraid to try, you know, they'll just get in there and give it a go, and I think sometimes we're afraid to try. And I want to challenge you, I want to urge you to start thinking more about sharing your faith because it is my belief that God can use you to win others to Jesus Christ. Why would we be commanded in scripture to share the gospel if we could never have any success in this area? Proverbs 11.30 says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and he that wins souls is wise. Daniel 12, 3 says, those that are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who turn many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. And with the Harvest Crusade two weeks away, I thought we all ought to think a little bit more about evangelism, about sharing the gospel, about our friends and our neighbors and our family members and people we know that do not yet know the Lord. So we're gonna talk about the who, the where, the why, the what, the when of evangelism. Let's start with the who. Who is called to go into all of the world and preach the gospel? That brings us to our text, Matthew 28. Let's read verses 19 and 20. Here are the words of the Lord himself. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's pray. Now, Lord, these are your marching orders. These are your words to us, your church, to go into all of the world. Lord, it's a daunting task. It's overwhelming, it's intimidating, sometimes it's even scary. 
But yet at the same time, Lord, you've called us to do it. And your calling is also your enabling. So we pray for your power in our life to have a boldness like we've never had before to go out into this world and share your good news with others. Speak to us as we consider what this means together. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's break this text down for a moment. In the original language, these words are addressed to everyone. In other words, we could translate it, every one of my followers, Jesus speaking, you are to go into all of the world and preach the gospel. That means it's not just for the so-called professionals. This is for everyone to do. This is for preachers and Sunday school teachers and missionaries and construction workers and students and surfers and skaters and housewives and secretaries and whatever it is you do. I mean, you just fill in the blank. This is to everyone to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. No one is exempted. Also in the original language, it is a command. So in other words, Jesus is not saying, hey, I know you're all so busy, but as a personal favor to me, would you mind please going into, no, he just says, I command you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. See, when I speak to my sons, I just tell them what to do. I don't, you know, would you please, sometime I will, but you know, usually I'll just say, go do this for me. Why do I say that? Because I get things done that way. You know, they just go and do it generally. But the point is, is, you know, it's a relationship. And it's actually a relationship of intimacy where I could speak to them in that way. So God doesn't say, please, could you work it out? He says, I'm ordering you. I bought you. I purchased you. I paid for you with my blood. You belong to me. And here's what I'm telling you to do right now. I want you to go into all the world and I want you to preach the gospel. This is not the great suggestion. It's the great commission. If I am a disciple, I am to go and make disciples of others. And if I am not making disciples of others, one has to wonder if I am really the disciple he wants me to be. Instead of this for many being the great commission, it's become the great omission. They don't do it. Now let me say something provocative. I believe for us to not look for opportunities to share the gospel can be a sin. You say, well, a sin? No, come on, Greg, a sin is when you break a command. A sin is when you fall short of God's glory. True, but there are not only sins of commission, there are sins of omission, right? It's like the story of that little boy in the Sunday school class and the teacher was talking about sin and she said, I wanna talk about sin today and wonder if anyone can tell me what the sin of commission is. And a little girl in the front said, I know, and the teacher called on her and she said, what? And Little girl said, the sin of commission is when you do what you should not do. That's right, said the teacher. Well, can someone tell me what the sin of omission is? Little boy in the back of the room is waving his arm back and forth. The teacher calls on him, yes, son. What is the sin of omission? He says, sin of omission. Those are the sins you want to do, but you haven't gotten around to them yet. <laughs> no. The sin of omission is not doing what you should do. So let's put it together. The sin of commission is doing what you should not do. The sin of omission is not doing what you ought to do. Listen to this. The scripture is clear when it tells us in James 4, 17, the person who knows to do what is right but does not do it for him, it is sin. So I can actually be sinning when I don't respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit to share the gospel with that person. Now, 
Having said that, I'm not trying to lay some guilt trip on you. In fact, what I want to tell you is it is a joy to tell others about Jesus. The hardest part about evangelism is getting started. But once you get started, and once the Lord starts speaking through you, I'm telling you, it can be one of the most joyful things you've ever done to think that God Almighty would speak through someone like you or me is indeed a great privilege. It's an honor to go and tell others about Jesus. And here's the thing. This message that God has given to us was not designed to be hoarded. It was designed to be shared. You were blessed to be a blessing, okay? Therefore, as I take in, I need to give that message back out again to others so they can come into this relationship with God. And I have to tell you, next to knowing the Lord himself, one of the greatest joys you will ever experience is when you have the privilege of praying with someone to accept Christ and you start seeing the radical, even visible changes that will take place in your life. And I'm saying to you, this can happen. And as you give out, you're gonna find that God's gonna bless you even more. We're told over in Proverbs 11:25, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. It's refreshing as you give out and help other people. So really, we have a choice that is set before us right now. It's evangelize or fossilize. <laughs> but a lot of people aren't doing this. A poll was taken that revealed nine out of 10 Americans cannot accurately define the meaning of the Great Commission. By the way, that's the charge we just read to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Seven out of 10 adults have no clue what John 3.16 means. I think you all know what it means. Barely one-third of adults knew the meaning of the expression, the gospel, and only 4% of adults could define the Great Commission, quote John 3.16, and define the gospel. So if you fit in that final category, then you are among the elite in the country today. You say, well, Greg, they're probably not believers, so what do you expect? But here's the most alarming statistic of all. 95% of Christians have never led another person to Christ. 95%. You say, well, Greg, we're not all called to be evangelists. Oh, that may be true. But we are all called to evangelize. So let's start thinking about how we can do it. So where do we start? We start at the beginning. I guess the answer to how we reach the whole world is the same answer that we would give to the question, how do you eat an elephant? I'm sure you've thought about that a great deal. <laughs> how do you eat an elephant? Answer, one bite at a time. How do you reach the whole world? Answer, one bite at a time. So we could localize this, personalize this. Instead of saying, go into all the world and preach the gospel, let's bring it home to you. Go into all of your world and preach the gospel. Go into all of your neighborhood and preach the gospel. Go into all of your workplace and preach the gospel. Go into all of your family and preach the gospel. You have a sphere of influence. You have a group of people that will listen to what you have to say. Go into that world. That's the world God has called you to. Number two, where are we to preach the gospel? Where? Answer, everywhere. Everywhere in Mark's gospel, we have a variation on the Great Commission in Mark 16, 15. Jesus said, go into all of the world and preach the gospel. But notice also that it's not just going out, but the gospel is not just the proclamation of who Jesus is, but he says that we are to go out and preach it, teaching people to observe things that he has commanded. So here's the end game. Here's what we're trying to do. Our objective as Christians is to attempt to the best of our ability 
to share the gospel with people. And hopefully, by God's leading, lead people to Christ. Having done that, we then get them up on their feet spiritually, help them to mature, and we go out and do the process again, then we do it again, and we do it again. And I'm telling you, when you are engaged in helping others come to Christ and grow spiritually, it will revolutionize your Christian life. And the problem is a lot of us have not done this. Well, we just keep these truths to ourselves, and we never go out and try to reach others or help others grow. We're very focused on self, very oriented toward our own needs and our own struggles. And I'm saying, if you would just stop thinking about yourself so much and think about someone that is literally separated from God and quite frankly on their way to hell and try to reach them, you would find your own life refreshed. It's sort of like the difference between going to Disneyland with adults or children. You know, going to Disneyland with adults is a drag. Because <laughs> adults complain about everything, starting with the price of the ticket. Can you believe how much this is? I remember the old days <laughs> when Walt was still alive. And remember the e-ticket and the little ticket? You know, all oh, those were the good old days. And yeah, well, you know what? That was a long time ago, okay? But, and then we go in, and what do adults want to do? We don't want to go on rides or like, where do you eat around this place, you know? Here's the sad thing. I went to Disneyland the other day. I was walking down Main Street, and I saw a parade was coming, and I actually looked at one spot there where there's a rocking chair to see if it was available. <laughs> and some old man was sitting there. I got here first, sonny boy. Yeah, I tell you what. So, uh, you know, but... You know, when you're with adults, you want to eat, then you get in a ride. Oh, I don't like this ride. The lines are too long. And now they have these little signs set up. If you're at this place in line, you will be on the line in the ride in two days. You know, it's like, <laughs> is this helpful? Uh, you know, so that's the way it is with adults. Now, go with a kid. You know, to see Disneyland through the eyes of a child changes the way you view it. Uh, we went on Small World, which has to be one of the lamest rides ever made. <laughs> They sing that song, it's a small world, ah! you know. But when you see it through the eyes of a child, it's still bad. No, I'm kidding. It's, um, it's different. And in the same way, when you get a new believer in your life, in the first bloom of faith, discovering the truths of God for the first time, not only is it glorious for them, but it's a blessing to you. So here's Dr. Greg's prescription for spiritual dryness. We need to go out and try to win people to Christ and help them to grow spiritually. That is the Great Commission. Why are we to do this? Why? Why doesn't God just poke his face out of the heavens and say, hello, humanity, I'm God. You're not. Believe in me now or I'll kill you. What do you say? You know, <laughs> or better than that, or perhaps as a different option, the Lord could raise up an army, and of angel, uh, an army of angels to come and proclaim the gospel. Well, he could have done both of those things or something else, but instead the Lord has primarily chosen to reach people through people, people just like you and me. Romans 10, 14 says, how will they call in him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher, and how will they preach unless they are sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those that preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. In Acts chapter 8, we have the story of a man who came from Ethiopia. He was a foreign dignitary. He was the treasurer working for the queen, known as Candace. Powerful man. He would have traveled with an entourage, probably had a stretched chariot. 
little flags on it. Secret service guys running on each side, you know. He went to Jerusalem searching for God and he didn't find him there. He just found dead, lifeless religion. But he did happen to obtain a scroll of Isaiah the prophet. And as it happened, he was traveling through the desert, reading out loud from Isaiah 53, which just happens to be a passage that talks about the suffering of the Messiah. Meanwhile, the Lord led a guy named Philip to go to this man and share the gospel. Philip sees him traveling along, reading from Isaiah's scroll. And Philip walks up to him and says, Excuse me, sir, do you understand what you're reading? Here's what the man from Ethiopia says. How can I unless someone shows me the way? Philip climbed up into the chariot, took that scroll, told him what it meant, pointed him to Jesus, and before the day was over, that man from Ethiopia became a believer and left with joy in his heart and a spring in his step. And this is what people out there are looking for right now. They're looking for someone to show them the way. I remember when I was a kid, uh, before I knew the Lord, and I was partying and doing drugs and all that junk. And I, I remember I would hang around down at the fun zone in Newport, you know, where you take the ferry across. And I would lean up against the wall, my hair hanging on my eyes. Use your imagination on that. <laughs> Here, let me recreate the moment for you. Oh, I miss those days. But anyway, not all of those days. I miss the hair. That's about it. I'd lean up against the wall. I'd look real tough. And these Christians would be walking around with their little Bible tracts and, and they'd be handing them out. And I remember they'd look at me and they didn't know what to make of me because I did a pretty good scowl. You know, they, they just sort of thrust a track at me and back off. And here's what I was saying in my heart. Talk to me. Don't be put off by my tough guy facade. It's fake. But I'm too proud to say I need help. I'm too proud to say, tell me about Jesus. But I wanted someone to engage me. And these Christians would give me these little booklets and I, I'd take it from them, stuff it in my pocket. Not in my pocket, never in the trash. Took it, kept it. I took everything everyone gave to me everywhere. And I would take them home and I had a drawer for all kinds of religious literature. And every now and then I'd pull it out and empty it on my bed and try to sort through it. I had tracts from Christians, literature from Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, you name it. I had it, Krishnas. And I, I would take all this stuff and go, what does this all mean? I, I, you know what I was looking for? Someone to show me the way. And you know what? Most of us that have a basic knowledge of the faith could have easily explained the gospel to someone like myself. I suggest to you there's a world full of people out there just like I was who are waiting for someone like you to just take a risk, to just say, I'll go ahead and give it a go. Worst case scenario, they'll say no. But what if they say yes? Why? Because God has primarily chosen to reach people through people. Now listen to this. And the primary way God has chosen to communicate this message is verbally. Verbally. Now, you will need to live it. In fact, let me just... Back up for a moment. If you're not going to live as a Christian, please do not preach the gospel. Okay? Do us all a favor. Problem is, people will talk about the Lord and they're not living it. It's like, could you like, shut up? You're actually hurting the cause here. But that's not the big problem. To me, the bigger problem is people that are living it and living it quite beautifully who never talk about it. Well, they'll say, I believe in lifestyle evangelism. And what does that mean exactly? That means I'll just live it and I'll show my faith in the way I treat people and the way I do my job and the way I live my life and people will just see it. Well, you know, that's good. I'm for that. But God's into 
living it, and preaching it. He wants you to live it and earn the right, if you will, to talk about it, but he wants you to verbally engage people, to actually speak out for what you believe, not just wait for people to come up to you and ask you, but for you to go up to them and initiate a conversation. 1 Corinthians one twenty one says, since the world and all its fancy wisdom never had a clue when it came to knowing God, God in his wisdom took delight in using what the world considered dumb, preaching of all things to bring those who trust him into the way of salvation. <laughs> it is crazy. I don't get it. Why would God want to use preaching? I don't know why, but he does. It's so the foolishness, the Bible says, of preaching or literally the preached thing. It's the verbal communication of the essential gospel message, which I will define for you in a moment. But listen to this. There's one thing that Christians and non-Christians have in common. You know what it is? We're both very uptight about evangelism. Christians are uptight about evangelizing, and non-Christians are pretty uptight about being evangelized. I remember when I was a kid and the Christians were out sharing, you know, I wanted them to talk to me, but there were other times, you know, we would hide from them because we didn't want them to engage us. So, you know, there are people out there that are uptight about all of this. And, and I think some of us give up way too easily. We'll, we'll go up to someone and say, well, you know what? Has anyone ever told you about Jesus? Yes. Oh, would you ever come to church with me? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> you want to come to the crusade? No. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Don't give up so easily. Don't be such a wimp, you know? <laughs> say, well, why do you say that? Why no so quickly? Did you have a bad experience in church once? Or is there something maybe you think that this is that I could tell you a little bit more about it? Or are there questions? Or, you know, engage them. And then most importantly, keep praying for them. And this brings me to another very important issue. And this is the why. The why that we, we do, what we do, is because we have to care for people. And I guess here's the big question. Do we really believe what the Bible says. Because if we do, that means that if a person doesn't know Jesus Christ, when they die, they will go to hell. Do we really believe that? Now, if we do, how can we be so cavalier about this? How can we be so casual about it? How can we be so, um, you know, uncaring? if we really believe what we say we believe. You see, sometimes we'll even look at non-believers as the enemy. They're not the enemy. They're trapped by the enemy, who is the devil. They are like you used to be, a captive of sin. And that's how we have to see them. In fact, we're told over in 2 Timothy 2.24, God's servant must not be argumentative, but be a gentle listener and a teacher who keeps cool, working firmly but patiently with those who refuse to listen. You never know how or when God might sober them up with a change of heart and turn to the truth, enabling them to escape the devil's trap when they are, where they are caught and held captive and forced to do his will. See, they're, they're in bondage and they don't know why or how. But you know, they're under the power of the enemy. So I pray that God will open their eyes spiritually. I pray that they'll see their need for Jesus. I pray that they will respond to what it is I'm saying. And I know what I'm saying is the truth. So I'm going to tell them. All right, now that brings us to point number four. What is it we are to go into all of the world and preach? 
What is it we are to go into all the world to preach? Morality. We want people to be moral. No, conservatism. We want people to become conservatives. Right? No, no, that's not our message. Sometimes people seem to forget this. Our message is the gospel. And I believe if you believe the gospel, you'll become a moral person. But I don't preach morality. I preach that God can change a person no matter how they've lived or what they've done. You see, the gospel, what is the gospel? <laughs> well, the word gospel means good news. Good news. But to fully appreciate the good news, I have to also know the bad news. We have all heard those good news, bad news jokes. They usually are related to doctors. Like the doctor that said to his patient, hi, I have some good news and bad news. You know, if you're a doctor, never say that to your patient. But, hi, I have some good news and bad news. The patient says, what's the good news? Doctor says, you only have three weeks to live. The patient says, if that's the good news, what's the bad news? Well, I've been really busy. I should have told you a couple weeks ago. Oh, that's it. That's bad. But here's the thing. Before a person can fully appreciate the good news, they have to know the bad news. Here's where it breaks down for people. We say the good news is Jesus Christ. The good news is he'll forgive them of their sin, right? Okay, that's true. But the bad news is all of humanity has sinned against God. All of humanity has offended God, whether we've done it in ignorance or on purpose. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 1 John 1.8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. In fact, one of the reasons God gave us the law, the Ten Commandments, is to show us we're sinners. How many of you are excited about winning somebody to Christ? Amen? Praise God. Ah, listen, maybe you work in an office, maybe you work with a group of people and you don't, you've never mentioned anything hardly at all. Well, listen, um, don't get discouraged, don't get condemned. You've got tomorrow. All right, tomorrow's Monday, and where you can share Christ with someone. And maybe you need to say, hey, forgive me, I should have told, talked to you already, but uh, talk to them. Make, a, make yourself available for the Holy Spirit to use, to reach people for Christ. Years ago, uh, I used to pick up hitchhikers. I don't particularly recommend that, but I used to pick up hitchhikers. I had a captive audience. I could talk to them about Christ. And uh, I got to share Christ with many people. Um, but one day, I, I was kind of out of it. I really wasn't feeling too spiritual that day. And I went for a ride, and I picked up a young man. And I'm ashamed to say, but I, I didn't share with him. But all of a sudden, we're driving down the road, and he starts witnessing to me. Um, I, I was like, oh, God, forgive me. Forgive me, oh, Lord God. Don't let him ask me what I do for a living, God. All right, so um, I'm excited about people that are going to be one to Christ through your words. We've ordered um, a lot of the four spiritual laws, and you can use those, at, you know, to really just to train yourself and your thoughts to reach people or to hand them out if you don't have time or can't talk to them. So we're going to give you some tracks next weekend. And, and, um, but in the meantime, maybe there's somebody you need to write a letter to, or maybe you need to write your testimony down. Every one of you have one. 
Someone this week sent me their testimony. They had just written it down several from several years ago. And I read that testimony. It was just really short. And literally, um, I had to stop myself from bursting out in tears. It was so powerful. So write your testimony down. Maybe mail it to those you can't speak verbally to or call them up on the telephone after they get it. Pray this morning, God, help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to walk through open doors to reach those you love. Praise God. Wow. Bow your heads with us, please, everyone all over the building. He talked a lot about, of course, reaching the lost. And maybe you fit into that category. Maybe you're at Red Bug Lake, and maybe you come on a regular basis, but you've never really committed your life to Christ. Or you're at Michigan, and maybe you're a guest today, and we're so glad you're there, but you're empty inside. And the Spirit of God has touched your heart. And it's called conviction, making you aware of your need of Christ. Or maybe you're online there at home or out in the atrium, wherever you are. If you need Christ, you need his forgiveness. You, you need to turn to him. You're empty inside. It's a hole meant only to be filled by God. So right now, across this building and there at the campuses online, if that's you, you need Christ. You need to commit your heart. You need to repent. If that's you, why don't you right now, while people are praying for you, why don't you right now just lift your hand high? Do it. There at the campuses right here. Yeah, lift your hand. Here in the, on the risers, here on the floor, Lift your hand. Just lift it up. God's speaking to you right now. Go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it. God's speaking to you right now. Just lift your hand. Pastor, pray for me. Yes. Others, quickly. Quickly, quickly. Just lift your hand high. Yes. Others, lift your hand. Do it now. God's speaking to your heart. Don't miss that opportunity. Those online, those at the campuses, lift your hand. You need Christ. You need to get right with God. Today is your day. Don't go another day. Anyone else? Anyone else in this building? All right. Praise God forever. Stand with us, everyone, please. All over the building, stand with us. Now, this morning, we're going to open the altar. And those of you that raised your hand, and maybe you didn't raise your hand, please, now we ask no one slip out yet. We uh, will dismiss in a few moments from now. But please be so kind as just to remain standing there. But uh, there are those in this building that maybe you used to serve God, but you don't anymore. You've been far from God. So God is drawing you to a place of repentance. Or maybe you've never, this is the first time you've never accepted Christ. In a moment, we're going to open these altars, and I want to challenge you to make your way to one of these altars. There's going to be someone here that can pray with you. And so I challenge you. Don't walk out of this building until you walk this way. I simply ask you this. God forbid, but if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? Do you know for sure you would go to heaven? Every person in this building, every person listening, answer that question right now in your heart and mind.
You say, Pastor, I know I'm ready for heaven. Then great. But if you say, you know, I don't know. I really don't know. Boy, that's a terrible gamble to make with eternity. So you can know. Come to this altar. Let's get right with God. And then maybe, maybe you are wanting to just ask God to help you so that you can reach some people God's laid on your heart. Maybe you just need to flood your, these people's lives with prayer. So there are two altars down here. You can come and kneel at one of these altars and, and just flood. Flood their lives with your prayers this morning. Maybe you like me this week, but I did it. Maybe you need to just come and repent and say, God, forgive me. God, forgive me for not walking through every door. God, fill me with your spirit. Pastor John, lead us right now. If you raised your hand, if you didn't, you need Christ, come to this altar. Do it now. Slip out from the risers here on the floor level. Why don't you make your way to this altar? If you need to come and pray, come and pray. If there are needs in your life, come. Let's pray. Let's believe God for a miracle around this altar. Jesus. 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 My God. need to be in this altar. There are others that need to be here. Slip out and come. Let's pray before you leave this building today. Let's pray before you leave. Come. You need Christ. Make sure you come to this altar. Don't care. Leave. We beg you. We plead with you to turn to Christ. Jesus, my God and my Lord. Jesus, my Lord and my God. Jesus, my Lord and my God, make your way to this altar. There's still time. There's, there's joy that awaits. There's the presence of God that awaits. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So draw near to God. Anybody else at this altar? Anybody that needs to be in this altar? God bless you guys. Now, let me ask everyone else standing in this building, let me ask you this. Wouldn't it be incredible if every one of us in this building led one per at least one person to Christ and brought them with us next week? There would be hundreds of people with you that are now born again. So God, help us to walk through every open door. Praise God. Slip your hand in this direction. Pastor John's going to lead us in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you so much, Lord, for speaking to our hearts today, for drawing us closer to you, Lord God, and for stirring up in us a passion, Lord God, to see what your heart wants, and that's for souls to be one, for the lost to be found, Lord God, for the hurting to be made whole. We know that that only happens, Lord God, through your gospel. And we thank you, Lord God, that your gospel reached us, Lord God. It reached those that have come to these altars. It's reached those that are reaching out to you even over our broadcast right now. And we're thankful that the good news of Jesus Christ and his salvation and his love for us, Lord God, that it's reached us, Father. And I pray, Lord God, that even as you're ministering to each and every one at these altars, even as you're ministering to our hearts, Lord God, as we go through the rest of this week, we pray, Lord God, that you'll help us, Lord, to share that love with someone else. 
Help us to impact our communities. Help us to impact, Lord God, those that we're connected to, our family members, Lord God, our, 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 our workmates, Lord God, those that we come in, con in connection with, that they might know the same love that we've experienced through Christ Jesus. God, we believe that you'll help us to do it, and we promise that you'll get all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise from it. Keep us as we go from this place, but never from your presence. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. We love you so much. Our altars are still open if you'd like someone to pray with you. And if you're joining us online today and you'd like someone to pray with you, you can call the number that's coming on your screen right now. We have a staff that's here to minister to you, to pray with you and your family over your situations and uh, whatever you need prayer for. If you also gave your life to Jesus Christ, don't forget to text the word SAVED to the number that's on your screen. We'd love to hear from you and to give you some information that'll help you with your walk. God bless you, and we hope to see you again soon. Take care.